Rise, rise, rise. Welcome to Rise of RevOps. This episode features an interview with Jamie Anderson, Chief Revenue Officer of Imburse. Imburse is the global leader of spend optimization with expense, travel management, and payment solutions. Jamie believes that revenue operations have been around for a long time, but we haven't always called it RevOps. Today, he'll describe how investing in your RevOps team will result in a great ROI and how to focus on what really matters when building your bottom line. Rise of RevOps is brought to you by Qualified. Qualified's Pipeline Cloud is the future of pipeline generation for revenue teams that use Salesforce. Learn more about the Pipeline Cloud on Qualified.com. Welcome to Rise of RevOps. I'm Ian Faison, CEO of Caspian Studios, and today we are joined by a special guest. Jamie, how are you? I'm doing great, Ian. Great to be here. Thank you. Great to have you. Uh, excited to have you on the show. My brother's name is Jamie uh, because uh, my grandfather was Scottish, so it's all familial here today on Rise of RevOps. I should, I guess, Ian as well is a very Scottish name, so all good. Indeed. Yeah, exactly. My, my grandfather grew up in Glasgow. Well, we're not just talking about Scotland, uh, a wonderful place. Uh, we're also talking about revenue. We're talking about RevOps uh, and all the cool stuff that you're doing at Imburse. Uh, so zooming out here, tell me a little bit about what it means to be Chief Revenue Officer of Imburse. Well, it means that everything to do with you know revenue across the business, whether it's new business bookings, whether it's you know, existing customers, cross-sell, upsell, you know, professional services, retention, then it all falls under, um, you know, under my remit. We look at it um, quite scientifically at times with all the tools that are available. We look for trends. We try and spot, you know, things that look right. We try and look at things that, you know, perhaps aren't where they should be and take corrective action. And I think just the the array of tools and um, the maturity of a lot of the tools in the market today helps us do that. And so how do you view RevOps as as a chief revenue officer? That's a very, very open and philosophical question. Um, <laughs> so revenue operations, I actually believe, has been around for a long time. We just haven't called it RevOps. Some places we've just called it, you know, pipeline management, cadence, you know, the way we look at driving pipeline all the time, I often say, incidentally, that, you know, the measure of the health of a company is, you know, looking at the pipeline and measuring, you know, the unweighted four rolling quarter pipeline coverage, current quarter plus one weighted pipeline coverage. It gives you a very, very strong indication of, um, you know, of a company's health. Uh, and it's amazing. You know, I think that if I go back to my days at Siebel Systems, you know, over 20 years ago now, you know, and I look at, you know, moving from there to SAP, I saw two businesses which were very, very focused on, you know, running the numbers and had incredibly strong discipline installed, instilled rather in people to uh, to pay attention to those things. Now, the tools that we used to get to the numbers um, were a lot less sophisticated today, certainly did not have artificial intelligence built into them. But we did notice enough in trends that enabled us to accurately predict where we thought we would land as as revenue teams. So there's definitely um it's definitely been around a long time. We probably just didn't call it RevOps. And there certainly wasn't RevOps teams. Um that's for sure. And then tell us a little bit about Imburse and uh and who you sell to. Well Imburse is a, a leading travel and expense management company. So you know we're probably most known for expense management. And really our goal is, you know, to simplify T&E 
for everyone. Um, something that, you know, over the years um, creates a great deal of pain for people on the road and sellers. You know, we make it super easy for people to obviously log expense receipts for businesses to, you know, ratify, reconcile, you know, expenses across the business, categorize them correctly. And, you know, there's really three big buckets of spend. You know, you have your spend, which falls into that t e You have your departmental spend, and you also have, you know, the spend that would typically be associated with invoice purchasing. And Burst gives you incredible visibility to, into all of that and enables you to manage it in a very, very simple fashion. And we also have cards which support um, that spend as well. So there's a very, very strong cards business within there, which simplifies, again, for the traveller or the you know the um, the employee uh, the spend. And then, how do you think about RevOps specifically? You know, at Embers, um, how do you think about how it affects both you know the sales side, the customer success side, and of course marketing? Well, first of all, it gives us uh, it gives us real strong insights into how you know how the business is performing. I think just giving us that visibility into you know our, our pipeline trends. So, you know, we have several different businesses. You know, we say, we we basically serve, you know, 18,000 customers globally, you know, as a company. So being able to see, you know, the patterns where, um, you know, those customers and particularly from a customer success perspective, where those customers are using the technology, where we can actually see um, how they're engaging with us. If we're creating opportunities to support that engagement, and um, so for things like retention and cross-sell and upsell, we have that visibility in the business. And um, similarly, you know, as we look at what constitutes our ideal customer profile, I think it enables us to to look at the pipeline in each of those um, areas and accurately predict outcomes, you know, for the business yeah. as well. Obviously, it's like the name of the game as a CRO is being able to predict and forecast effectively, uh, which in uncertain times like we've had over the past year is that, well, really the past like three years um, yeah. has been even more difficult, right? So it's like if you're relying on a functional layer of like data that is bad, then, you know, your predictions <laughs> compoundly get bad. <laughs> Whereas if you're able to have that sort of like the architecture in place and your, you know, revenue architecture in place and all of that stuff. And you can actually make decisions based off of, you know, what is signal, what is noise, then it, it all gets a little bit, a little bit easier. It's not easy, but easier. Yeah. I mean, looking, exp- expanding on that a little bit, Ian, you know, when I think about it, I, th- I think I said there's key industries where, where we have success and where we understand the success rate. So some industries, you know, are, for example, are, um, conversion rates are going to be 50% and above, realistically, 50%. Um, there's some industries where, you know, it's maybe a bit more competitive and, you know, it may be 20 or 30% on average. What the insights enable us to do is to then go into each of those industries and almost segment those industries by customer size. So, for example, you know, if you take legal, you know, legal, there's SMB, there's small, medium-sized legal firms, there's mid-sized legal firms, and there's enterprise legal firms. So, you know, the, the win rates will differ, again, between those, um, you know, those customer segments. So we understand that, you know, the, the revenue operations gives us the insight into that. And it enables us to do, you know, two or three things even better. One of those things is obviously, yes, predict the outcome based on the sales stage and the weighted pipeline that you have in each of those industries. Um, we also know the deal velocity and when deals should close. 
you have your, you know, you have your sales methodology baked into Salesforce that says, well, if it's a stage, you know, five opportunity, then it's kind of got a 90% chance to close, but this is in an ICP. We typically win against this competition more than any other. Again, it enables us to be better at predicting the outcome. So that's number one. Number two, when we think about building pipeline as well, the insights that we're getting from when we do win tells us that we should focus more on doing that and less on chasing down business that we don't often win. Um, which is a waste of everybody's yeah. time and marketing dollars, frankly. Can you give an example of that? I know you can't give like super in detailed examples, but can you give an example of something that like, you know, one of those signals that says like, hey, we're, we're you know, spending too much to try to acquire a certain type of account? It's difficult to do it without, you know, giving too much away. Giving the secrets. <laughs> yeah. giving, the, giving the secret sauce away. But let's just say, let's hypothesize for a little bit. There are certain segments, as I said, in the certain and so, for example, let me give you a great example. Before I came to the business, um, I looked at performance across all the segments I mentioned. And what I like to do is, you know, if, if you take a basic SMB mid-market enterprise, right? Now, let's take the SMB segment. It's a segment which is largely driven by a lot of inbound activity, right? So you're spending a lot of money on marketing to drive eyeballs to your site to potentially convert, you know, through you know, um, your online tools, which enable you to do self-driven demos or whatever it happens to be. When you drive a lot of traffic and there's a lot of money typically goes into doing things like Google AdWords and doing your SEO. Taking something like SMB holistically as one segment without then breaking it down into sub-segments based on either you know, the size of the company by employee size or maybe it's by revenue or however you want to do it, and what I discovered was that the majority of the visitors that then registered, that created leads and all the rest of it on the site were for very, very small companies, right? And we've obviously got yep. an SMB sales team as well. Where the highest conversion was, was higher up in SMB. So the highest yep. sub-segment of SMB created profitable business, enabled us to cross-sell as opposed to the business which was being largely driven by SEO and um, and like you know paying for your Google AdWords and that type of thing, that was driving very low levels of ARR return, but high volumes of touch. And at the end of the day, the conversion wasn't great. So then that enables you as a as a revenue leader to say, why are we doing that? Why are we spending X millions driving eyeballs there when actually if we flip this? and move maybe slightly away from that level of inbound and invest more in outbound-driven activity based on thought leadership or whatever else, you know, some real campaigns, then we have higher win rates and the higher propensity to win. And you're engaging with people that are actually looking to solve a problem as opposed to people that might be kicking tires and potentially uh, may buy something from you, but what's your propensity to cross-sell to them? Again, it's low. So it's those type of insights, I think, that are important. I think this gets at a really important piece, which is like, even the term SMB is probably one of the silliest things in business. <laughs> like, I think that there's, there's a bunch of different pieces in here that is why I think RevOps is like endlessly fascinating. And, and whether you define this stuff as more of, you know, or whose job it is on the revenue team to figure this out is, is your own decision. But this like strategic part of revenue ops, which is, okay, these are all of the, the segments that we're going after. Well, yeah. Like, is a 10-person company and a 100-person company 
should they be categorized in the same group? It's like, maybe, maybe not. But like, it's a, it's a silly thing to say that like, we, we set these arbitrary sort of, okay, well, 2,500 person company is mid market, but enterprise is, you know, 5,000. And you're like, what are these, what are these, how do you even quantify that? And then someone who's just raised a bunch of money, if they just raised 250 million, they spend like they're someone who is, you know, X, Y, Z, but they have a higher propensity to churn potentially or what, you know, all of those things. Um, I'm just curious how you think about those type of, of things. I think that's why it's really important to have an industry focus and specialization because it, it differs massively. The first time I ever came across this, Ian, was many, many years ago now, over 10 years ago, when I was working at SAP, we acquired this amazing company called Hybris to give us an e-commerce capability. And what we discovered was that the SAP model that they'd set up like this, you know, SMB, mid-market, general business, large enterprise, all that type of thing, the way in which they defined that didn't necessarily work for e-commerce because you could have a 40-person company, right, generating $300 million, $400 million of revenue through their online store, right? But how do you categorize that, you know, when you're looking at things differently? Similarly, you know, if we look at things and we say, say we segment by employee count, right, which some companies do as well, right? You say, well, zero to 50 employees, 50 to 250, 250, 500, you start doing that. Um, and you use that as a measure of a company's spend. As soon as you get into construction, you're going to find that's absolutely bonkers because, you know, you can have a construction company of, you know, 50 to 100 people spending several millions, you know, on materials uh, and purchasing, you know, through cards or invoice. And, you know, it's... It, it breaks the model. So you've got to find and understand those anomalies. And I think also having strong revenue operations enables you to do that, to see those anomalies. And then sometimes it sparks, um, sometimes it sparks a new campaign or a new idea about how you go to market. Okay, let's get to our next segment, Rev Obstacles, where we talk about the tough parts of Rev Ops. Obstacle, obstacle. An obstacle to what? There's your Zooming in here on client experience, uh, what do you think makes a horrible client experience? One which is pretty unengaging, right? One which feels incredibly scripted. One where um, the customer can't pick up the phone and speak to someone, I think, doesn't make for a necessarily great customer experience. I mean, everybody's everybody's looking for something different. Um, maybe people define customer experience in different ways. I think you have to be available when the customer needs you, whether that's by digital channels or physically, if they want to pick up the phone and speak to you. How do you think about the uh, the role of RevOps supporting both sales, customer success, and marketing? We can sort of touched on that a little bit earlier, yeah. but like as the CRO sort of deciding where they spend their time the most, we call it sort of like the three-headed hydra that everybody everybody wants to get you know, uh, RevOps resources to support their efforts. How do you sort of help uh, decide that? Well, we have, so we do have marketing operations and we have, you know, revenue operations that support, you know, definitely sales and customer success. I think the key to all is, you know, we're going through this process right now. I think the key to all is agreeing together what the priorities are. And that is what the go-to-market priorities are, what the key messages that we want to deliver are making sure that the marketing and sales programs and campaigns support the go-to-market with the right content, 
and uh, the right execution. And that way, everybody's working towards a shared goal. One of the things I think that has always caused tension between marketing and sales is this notion of you know attribution. Like where did where did the lead come from? Um, the, the reality is customers touch you in multiple ways now. So what people tend to measure is the last touch. And they say, well, that, that belongs to me because we touched it last. The customer came to an event and it was that event that we closed the customer without realizing that, you know what, guys, we're all in this together. And as long as everybody's touching the customer and giving the customer, delivering value through that experience, every touch point, we achieve a shared outcome. I think it's fine to measure what all those touches are, but um, I think if everybody's joined up and understands the priorities, then we're, we're working to the same goal. And it shouldn't be as kind of draconian as measuring, you know, that last touch attribution, which can be very misleading. I love that. Can you can you go into that just like a little bit further? Because that last, I think that this is something, I think it's like one of the things that, that CROs and CMOs like get wrong the absolute most is like fighting for last touch attribution, which is like in the current buying climate, such a silly proposition anyways. It's so complex now, especially before they even start the buying process that like this idea of like last touch seems a bit archaic. Here's the reality to it. The, the idea of friction and tension is counterproductive to the outcome. Sales can't exist without marketing. Marketing can't exist without sales, right? Because sales is the, the ultimate purpose of marketing. And Marketing supports sales and its endeavors. So to me, I think that um, any type of conflict is entirely counterintuitive and counterproductive to the outcome. Listen, there are reasons. If you if you've sat down together, if you've used the data that you possess as a company to very clearly identify your ICP, whether it's multiple ICPs or whether it's a particular geography that you can penetrate with your product or whatever it happens to be. Once you've identified that priority and you go after it together, you're absolutely right. There are multiple touches. There are things that drive people towards the brand or the brand message. So having a very, very strong purpose and being able to articulate that purpose, whether it's something, you know, like, hey, we want to eliminate the expense report. It just wanted to become a thing of the past. We're going to simplify travel and expense management for every traveler and every company. Whether it's something as simple as that, as a call to action, you need to make sure that every piece of marketing material and everything that you do stands behind that message. Because over time, that's that's the hook that's going to bring people back again and again. And then when they come and they're engaged and they get value from that engagement, and that's critical that they understand that you're able to articulate the the corporate value that you bring to them. It's not about speeds and feeds and features and functions. Everybody's got that. But what is the unique value that you bring beyond the software? I mean, I'll give you, I'll give you an example. One of the things about, you know, Burst is, you know, 18,000 customers globally in 25 industries. Over that period of time that Burst has been going, we've built a network, a really strong community of experts who share insights and tips and ideas. Now, as part of the sales process, what I want to do is I want to expose that to the buyer. I want to bring them into that before they buy. Now, it's marketing that are running those events that are bringing people together. And, you know, does that mean that, you know, marketing won the business? Not necessarily if the customer turned up at the event, but it's been a process and it's been a customer driven process. It's a customer's chosen to engage with us at each intersection of that journey. 
and they've landed here and they've like, now I have all the information I need to make a decision and I want to go with embarks. I love it. You're passionate about authentic leadership and obviously like having strong leadership in your CRO, in your CMO, uh, in your you know VP of customer success or however your function there. And, yeah. and of course, having strong leadership in your, in your RevOps leader are all super important. Uh, how do you think that those leaders can be better, it can be more cohesive? Maybe I'm oversimplifying it, but there's a lot, there's a lot of years and a few gray years, but you know, going into this statement, I think it all stems from communication. I think you have to have a consistent cadence of communication as a leader, uh, which reinforces what's important to the business um, and by omission what's not important, right? Because that gets people really focused on what matters. And when I think about the leadership, it's about being able to provide you know clear direction to people. To be able to articulate, as I said, the things that the things that are important. If you're having challenges, or if, if someone who's listening is having trouble hitting targets, how do you sure. start to identify the challenges with hitting targets, and how do you come up with a credible plan? Well, I think at a business you're looking for the patterns. For example, you can see pretty quickly. You can drop it down to a team level, right? Underperformance tends not to happen in every segment in every quarter all at the same time, right? It tends to happen in pockets. And what you're looking for is you're looking to see within those individual pockets, whether it's, a, you know, like a, a, a geographical thing, whether it's to do with um, not having enough sellers on the street, which it can be, so they can't actually meet the, you know, the demand that's coming in. Sometimes it can be a, a leadership issue, you know, in one area where, and I'll give you an example of, like, if you look at a team and you have a team, you know, of, of eight sellers and six sellers are underperforming and it's been consistent over two or three quarters, um, it's likely you've got a leadership problem. As opposed to if you look at a team, there's two individuals underperform and they underperform consistently over a few quarters, it's probably an individual thing, you know, and you're looking at, you know, potential performance improvement plans and that type of thing. But, um, but as leaders, you know, as a business, you're looking at, first of all, you're looking at, you know, those insights and you're looking to spot those trends. So I think having a keen eye on the data is really, really important. But at an individual level, I think you start asking yourself things about your territory. Is it the right territory? Am I set up for success? And as long as you can prove that you're doing the cadences um, consistently and you're executing, you know, against the plan, as long as you're doing those things, I think you can have a sensible conversation with your manager about where you may need help. You know, maybe um, maybe you're just in a territory that's really tough right now. Maybe you've got an industry that is pulled back from buying because of some macroeconomic pressures that are affecting that industry. Maybe you need a fresh impetus of uh, marketing support. Um, I think there's a bunch of things you can look to. But as a seller, I think, you know, look, you should always find a way to build your own pipeline, prospect effectively. And if that's a challenge, I think, you know, you, you speak to your manager about it and see what support the business can give. That's why the manager's there, to, to lift you up, to be frank. I, I don't know if you have the answer to this one uh, off the top of your head here, but what's what's one of the best things that you spent money on over the over the past year or so? That's ROI. Best ROI. That's a really good question. The best ROI so far has been additions that we've made to the revenue operations team by far. And that's been investing in people that have brought a stronger focus on sales cadence and delivering what I would call kind of like not 
not marketing campaigns, but sales plays. Something that's a lot more agile in building out a big campaign. Um, so we recently invested in bringing in a team who consistently monitor uh, the sales pipeline and look for gaps in pipeline and work with the sales leaders in something we established called demand generation councils for every single theatre that we have. Now, the demand mm. generation councils and the team and revenue ops that run that basically bring to bit together our partner leaders, our marketing leaders, our SDRs, and our sales leaders in each of the theatres and say, here's where pipeline is strong and looking four, three and four quarters out, here's where pipeline is development. So marketing, this is what we need from you. But sellers, here's where you can take accountability and drive this. And to me, it's very much process improvements that we've made and bringing in the right people have driven that transformation. Tools certainly help us measure things, but they're never the answer themselves. You know, to me, it's always been about people, process, and then technology. So get the right people, establish the right process and the right cadences, and then use the technology to implement, reinforce, and measure. I love that. It's so true. It's something I've been thinking about a lot because uh, we're going to through sort of like a tech overhaul uh, here at Caspian. And without it, without that base knowledge and without the people that can, that can figure out what is happening in the data, you're just, you can yeah. never go fa- as fast as you want to go and you can't really, can't really do anything. So I love that that's, uh, that that's the best ROI thing is building out a RevOps team. Obviously, you know, self-serving for us on this podcast, but it is so true. It's like, how could you even do, do your job without it? Look, I'm, I'm a huge uh, exponent of, you know, using science, right? Using the data um, and spotting the patterns in the data because, look, data is great. It doesn't really lie, right? I mean, the, what it does is it either dispels, you know, like a theory or a thesis that you may have or it supports it. And um, and that's that's the sort of science part. Sorry, the art part is, you know, hey, I've got an idea. I think we should do this. And, you know, it's, everybody gets super pumped about it and everybody's really excited. But if the data doesn't validate that kind of emotional, artistic impulse, um, then you don't do it. And you have to be very disciplined about it. So, uh, so I do think it's a perfect blend of those things. Okay, let's get to our next segment, the Toolshed. We're talking tools, spreadsheets, metrics, just like everyone's favorite tool, Qualified. No B2B Toolshed is complete without Qualified. Go to qualified.com right now and check them out. You can sell right from your website. Somebody goes to your website, turn that thing on, close deals, go to qualified.com. They're our best friends in the whole world and we love them dearly. Go to qualified.com and check them out. Hey, hey Brandon, Michael, want to do me and mom a favor? Get off that shed. This is my favorite place. <laughs> the tool shed. Get off the shed! All right, Jamie, what is in your tool shed? How do you think about... Uh, technology and tools and data. Absolutely required. First of all, you can do it without it. Um, we're now processing so much data in real time that you know the insights we're looking to get are immediate. I'll give you a little example. So if you if you look at some of our RevOps stack and I think we've got I think we've got too much a factor of the fact that the market itself is is convoluted and there are so many different tools. Now everybody's trying to eat each other's lunch a little bit. You probably see this, Ian. You know, whether you've got Gong or Chorus, uh, whether you've got, you know, um, Aviso, um, Insight Squared or Clary, whether you've got Sales Loft, High Spot, and 
all of this stuff is in your RevOps stack, right? And um, and so we've got some of these tools. Um, and now everybody's trying to kind of get into each other's landscape. You know, conversational AI is is a huge thing as well. And delivering real-time insights from calls, you know, how often were the competitors mentioned? Does this create a risk? How sh- you know, it's using that to score deals. All that's going on right now. So we've got we've got every tool you could possibly imagine in our revenue operations stack. I'm looking for the person that's going to come out with the first suite, true integrated suite that's going to challenge that. I'd be interested to talk to them. Couldn't agree more. Yeah, you've talked about this idea of, of maybe we're getting a little lazy with uh, with AI. How how do you think that that is going on? <laughs> I have spoken about that. You're right. The notion of AI is fantastic. AI is a great way to gut check and sense check a forecast, right? Now, it's not trying to tell you lies, an artificial intelligence engine. It's trying to interpret uh, lots and lots of data in real time as things happen. For example, if you say something like Clary, it's AI engine, it prides itself on its, um, which was, its ability to be predictive and accurate. Now, I don't want it for that. I want it to show me where my risks are, right? I want it to show me, you know, when one of my, when one of my um, leaders is a little over their skis, they're calling more than Clary says, I'm going to use that to really drive in and interrogate what that sales leader's rolling up. Um, but by the way, if that sales leader is ahead of Clary, I want that sales leader to win. I don't want Clary to win, right? <laughs> Secondly, if my sales leader is calling under what Clary's calling, then I want to know what they're holding back. I'm speaking to sales leader and go, are you lowballing me here? I mean, why is Clary calling you at, say, you know, 5.5 million, but you're only rolling up 4.5? Are you not confident in the call? Why is Clary more confident? Because that's looking at your historical performance, it's looking at data and it says you can do better. And it's great for that. It's great for that conversation. But I wouldn't look at what Clary gave me at the beginning of the quarter and go, well, that's how my quarter's going to go, so that's what I'm going to manage to. Absolutely not. You know, but I think it's a great tool uh, to enable you to interpret and challenge the patterns that it sees in the data. Any other thoughts on data or metrics or uh, or anything like that? Yeah, I mean, there's lots, there's lots of metrics. I know I used to work for someone that said, um, hey, everything that matters can be measured, but not everything that is measured matters. And that's when they were talking about a place we used to work together. Um, well, I think what Mother. matters to me, look, what matters to me is things like, um, you know, are managers, reps focused on their four rolling quarter pipeline? You know, are they taking a long term view of the business? I don't know how many businesses kind of lurch from quarter to quarter, not quite known where they're going to be one quarter out. And to me, that's very, very scary. So we've got all the tools in the world, but you can still come across a business or speak to someone else as a CRO and they'll go, oh, Jamie, it's unbelievable. You know, I mean, I came to this business, you know, X months ago and they couldn't tell me where they thought they were going to land next quarter. And that's frightening. And by the way, it's not uncommon. I hear this more and more. So I think we've got to be careful that Tools don't make us lazy, that we focus on always as leaders. What is our four rolling quarter unweighted pipeline? Is it sufficient? Is it 3x? Is it 4x? It's sufficient to meet, you know, our revenue goals. And is our two rolling quarter, our current quarter plus one weighted pipeline sufficient to actually meet the not the near term, short term priorities, revenue priorities of the business? Those things matter to me. 
Okay, let's get to our final segment. Quick hits, quick questions, and quick answers. Jamie, are you ready? Yeah, I'm ready. Best place you've traveled recently? The Outer Hebrides. Best meal you've had in the last month? Oh, I had some fantastic tacos last night. They were really amazing. Where was that? Uh, I can actually look at it from my hotel window. I can't read the name of the place. I'll send you a note later. It's very, very good. Yeah, <laughs> perfect. Uh, do you have a favorite hobby? Yeah, I love running. Love running. Do you have a RevOps prediction for us? A RevOps prediction. Uh, that someone will build an all-encompassing, all-in-one suite fully integrated with CRM and you'll never need to go anywhere else. What advice would you have for a new CRO who is trying to figure out how to run their team? Meet everyone. Spend half an hour getting to know everybody in the business, what motivates them, what excites them, and ask them if there was one problem that you could solve in this business today and wave a magic wand and make go away, what would that problem be? I love it. Jamie, it's been absolutely awesome having you on the show. For our listeners, uh, you can go to Emburst.com to learn more uh, about them, to check out their marketing, their RevOps, all that stuff. Uh, so go to Emburst.com uh, and, uh, and go go talk to your finance folks, figure out how you're doing uh, all of your expense reimbursements, all that stuff. You know, Just go to Emburst.com, uh, control your expenses, streamline payments, and reclaim your weekend. Uh, Jamie, any final thoughts? Anything to plug here? Visit Scotland. It's amazing. Yes. One of the best places I've been in my entire life. It was absolutely incredible. The hairy ginger coos of Scotland. <laughs> and listen, and, and the world's largest arts festival happens in Edinburgh every year as well, the Edinburgh Festival. And it's a true arts festival. It's everything in art. It's on right now. Um, it's the biggest one in the world. Oh, cool. I didn't know that. That's awesome. Yeah. Jamie, thanks again. Uh, we really appreciate it. I know you're in the middle of travels uh, for making time uh, with us. And um, we'll, we'll talk soon. You're welcome. Thanks, Ian. Take care. Thank you for listening to Rise of RevOps. If you enjoyed today's episode, please leave us a review and subscribe wherever you're listening. This podcast was created by the team at Qualified. The Pipeline Cloud is the modern way. B2B revenue teams generate pipeline. Learn more at qualified.com.